Welcome to The Jewelry District, a podcast by JCK. Today, Rob Bates and Victoria Gamalski talk with Sean Kell, Chief Executive Officer of Blue Nile. Hey everyone, welcome to The Jewelry District. This is Victoria Gamelski, Editor-in-Chief of JCK and jckonline.com. Call in from my home office in Los Angeles, and I'm with... Rob Bates, uh, News Director of JCK and JCK Online, calling in from New York City. Hey, so how's it going, Rob? Uh, it's all right. It's, uh, it's almost my birthday, so I'm excited about that. I'm aging. Hey, you're, you're still here. That's a good sign. Yes, I'm still here, and it, it's getting to fall. It's starting to feel like fall, so. Oh, that's my favorite time of year in New York. And so I just got back last night from Denver. I was at the Hard Rock Summit, which uh, for those of you who are listening are colored stone and mineral nerds, you'll be jealous because it was really a fantastic show. And I even got a chance to drive up into the Rockies for like literally a minute. It was so quick, but I did see some changing leaves on my way up to Estes Park and the Peak to Peak Highway there in Colorado. It was so beautiful. So I'll have to revisit that on our next taping and talk about what I saw at the Hard Rock Summit. But anyway, it was a lovely little getaway, I must say. So we've got a very, a very special guest, an important guest, somebody we've hoped to get on this show for some time. And so I will cut to the chase here and introduce him. His name, of course, is Sean Kell, Chief Executive of Blue Nile. And we are thrilled to have him join us. I think you said, Sean, you're joining us from Seattle today. Is that right? That's right, Victoria. Thanks for having me today. I'm at the Blue Nile World Headquarters just outside of Seattle. Fantastic. Have you been traveling much or have you mostly been there for the last, you know, year and a half or so? Well, I've been traveling a little bit lately. In fact, I was down at the JCK show just a few weeks ago. It was terrific. That was my first opportunity to uh, to attend the show. It was canceled, of course, last year, and it was just a delight to get down there. It was very hot that week in Las Vegas, so that was uh, a bit of a shock for my kind of Seattle for a Seattle boy, but that was a good, good little bit of travel. And I've been getting out of, to a few trips here and there. We've been opening a number of showrooms across the U.S. here at Blue Nile. And so I've been trying to get out to attend a number of those store openings and visit our teams out there. So a little bit of traveling. Yeah. I mean, it must feel good. You sort of hit the ground there at Blue Nile a couple of years ago. So before you had a little time before the pandemic hit, does it feel a little bit like things are returning to normal in the retail sense? It does. It feels great to get out and see our associates across the country. We've got almost 700 employees around the world. And I love talking to our employees and our associates, both in our showrooms. And we've got some support centers and a couple of distribution centers as well. And then also just talking with suppliers and our partners and, and customers. I just love being at Blue Nile. And it's so fun selling and creating and helping our teams create these amazing pieces of jewelry. It's just been really fun. Well, so you did not come from jewelry. We always ask our guests to sort of tell us how, you know, their background and some of the key experiences prior to their current roles. So we'd love to hear the highlights of your career prior to Blue Nile. And I think first I'd say I've come from a family of jewelry lovers. My mom loved jewelry and my dad loved buying jewelry and giving jewelry as gifts. And every year it seemed, you know, there's these, we talk about these five gifting occasions every year for jewelry as gifts. And my dad, I think, tried to take that up a notch. And so there was always this amazing jewelry around my house. And so that was a big part of my life growing up. Uh, and then my wife, uh, we've been married 24 years. My wife is a um, part-time hobbyist jewelry designer. And so it's been around our house for quite some time. So that's, that's a little bit about us. I 
Yeah, I started as an engineer after college at IBM down in California. So I was a math and physics guy in school and did that for a couple of years and then went into sales at IBM and loved the sales and marketing side, uh, in this case of computer systems. And then went to business school and studied marketing and loved doing the marketing, loved kind of classical consumer facing and business to business marketing and, and went and did that for a little while after after business school. First at a consulting firm and then at Starbucks for a while back when Starbucks was a little company. I did a number of things at Starbucks, including the basically ran the website at Starbucks as well as a couple of other parts of the business. I got really my first taste of retail as well as the company was growing super fast and breaking all the rules and really just having a ton of fun there. And then went to Expedia, division of Expedia called Hotels.com. So that was my real first entry into at-scale e-commerce and seeing how disruptive, I think in a really positive way, the internet and e-commerce can be to, in that case, the travel industry and how the internet and this e-commerce business model with the transparency and incredible assortment and great prices can really transform an industry and really changed how consumers thought about travel and where they travel and how easy it was and just this terrific explosion of, of that industry. And then I got recruited by a um, private equity firm to run a small business called A Place for Mom, which was and is the largest website and e-commerce marketplace that helps consumers find assisted living and memory care for their parents. So it's very similar to Expedia in that Expedia helps consumers find great hotels and great airline flights, and A Place for Mom helps consumers find great assisted living and memory care and home care for their aging parents. Left that company about three years ago and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I got a call from the folks who had taken Blue Nile Private, a bank in Boston called Bain Capital. And so they hired me to help lead that transition. And I think the idea was that while I didn't come from jewelry, I did know quite a bit about e-commerce and consumer marketing and building great teams and running international businesses. And so um, I was brought in and I've been here for two years now. It's, it's really been terrific. Your prior company, A Place for Mom and Hotels.com, that's a bit of a, a service, I, I would guess. And you were, in, in that case, you were something of a middle person between the consumer and the product. How did that experience kind of inform what you do at Blue Nile? That's a great question, Rob, because you're right. Both uh, Hotels.com and A Place for Mom were what they call e-commerce marketplaces. Well, originally, Blue Nile was one of these e-commerce marketplaces. That's how the company started 21 years ago as a marketplace for diamonds. The idea kind of like Hotels.com has a consumers on one side of the marketplace and hotels on the other. And A Place for Mom has consumers on one side and assisted living facilities on the other. The original idea for Blue Nile was you've got consumers on one side of a marketplace and tens or hundreds of thousands of diamonds on the other side of this marketplace. And that was really how the company started and how the company grew for years and years. And ultimately, the folks at Blue Nile, I think to their credit, saw the opportunity to expand beyond being just a pure diamond marketplace into being a jeweler. The business expanded into engagement rings and then ultimately into diamond jewelry. And that's the part that I knew well, this idea of a marketplace. What we've been trying to do, and I think what our real strategy is, is around going that next step from being a really solid e-commerce marketplace into being a fine jeweler. That's still our foundation, that core e-commerce marketplace idea. But then the trick for us is, is that notion of building a great brand that delivers amazing fine jewelry with incredible assortment at amazing value anytime, any place, anywhere consumers want us, whether that be on the web or through chat or through virtual appointments 
And then ultimately through our showrooms, we've got 13 showrooms now. Uh, we've got five more opening later this year. They're all doing really well. I'm excited to talk about those. And then ultimately, we think 40 or 50 or more showrooms across the U.S. But again, the idea is being a, an incredible fine jeweler with great assortment, great prices, anytime, anywhere consumers want to shop with us. When you say you want to be a jeweler, what categories do you expect to expand into? I don't think any categories are off the table. That said, the next couple of categories we're looking at pretty hard are men's jewelry, certainly. And we have a relatively small business in colored gemstones. And so I think increasing our assortment of center stone engagement gemstone is another big effort for us. I guess just to back up a little, you came to this industry, other than your personal experience growing up with family who loved jewelry, you didn't have much or any experience in the industry. What struck you about the jewelry industry and Blue Nile in particular that, you know, as you were sort of learning the ropes there, what what makes this industry different from all the other? You have such a varied resume, so clearly you're used to jumping into categories you're not familiar with, I assume. Right. A little bit. So I have, Victoria, worked in a number of different industries, and it is fun. I do like jumping around, I think it, it's invigorating for sure. So in terms of the jewelry industry, what struck me, I think there were two or three things that struck me right away. The first is it's an enormous industry. I mean, it is absolutely giant. There are just you know, in every step along the supply chain or the value chain, there are hundreds or thousands of participants all over the globe. It's really one of the few truly global industries. So it's it's one, it's enormous, much bigger than I thought. I just had no idea of the complexity of the of the supply chain and the and the value chain from mine to retail. Number one. Number two, it's pretty opaque. There's not a lot of information out, out there about all those different steps. And there are so many different players along the value chain that it's kind of hard, frankly, for consumers to figure out what's going on. And it's a little confusing. Uh, I, I recall buying my wife's engagement ring almost 25 years ago, and it was pretty hard to do it. There's you know, not a lot of information out there. It's a little confusing. It's a really big purchase. And so you're a little scared. You don't want to get it wrong. Back then, it was very common for a guy like me to buy the engagement ring alone. Today, uh, many, many more people co-shop. The two partners will shop together, which is a much better way to do it. So you know, it's, it's, it's confusing and it's hard and it's a little scary. And I think that's kind of the old world of jewelry. And when I got to the industry two years ago, that was kind of the view I had of the industry. And that's one of the big things we're trying to do at Blue Nile is make it a little less scary, a little less difficult, a little less confusing, and a lot more convenient. And one of the things that set Blue Nile apart in the beginning was that it was not a traditional jewelry store and that it considered that a competitive advantage and that it didn't have to pay rents and it didn't have all the costs associated with a brick and mortar presence. And now you, like many other retailers, are expanding your brick and mortar presence. Can you explain why that's important and how that's helped and where you plan to go with it, I guess? Sure. It's true. Traditionally, website businesses or e-commerce businesses were focused purely on operating on the web. And what we discovered and what Blue Nile learned several years ago, um, what the company discovered was that opening a small set of these retail stores could really build the brand, drive the business, and create a great opportunity to meet customers where they want to be met. It's really about that convenience pillar of our strategy. A lot of consumers want the benefits of buying something online, which is incredible assortment at great prices, but they also would like 
especially in something like jewelry and an engagement ring, would like to really see it and feel it and touch it and talk to someone. Many people want to talk to someone in person about their purchase and get some advice and ask some questions and, and maybe even see a few stones next to each other so that they can understand the difference between a D color round diamond and a F color stone, for example. We talked to a lot of customers and we really tried to understand what they, as they were you know, in our stores or in other stores or online and asking them about what they wanted from a jeweler. They didn't tell us, hey, we'd like you to have a, have a store in the mall. What they said was, we want a place where we can interact with you and where we can see, feel, and touch the jewelry and where we can talk to somebody and where I can bring my fiance with me to look at a number of options. Our showrooms are pretty small. They're about a thousand square feet each, which is pretty small for a, a jewelry store. But with a small footprint and therefore our rent's low and our labor costs are low. And we also don't have inventory in the stores. We call it a showroom. And so you've got a small amount of inventory in each of these showrooms, one of each item of each of each of our most popular items in the showrooms. And so you can look at one, but then you, the customer will, with the help of one of our associates, will order their item custom made for them in the store. And then it'll be delivered to them either the next day or, or the next week, depending on what the item is. And so you don't actually purchase, that's what we call it a showroom. You're not actually purchasing something in the store and walking out of the out of the store with it. You're going in to discover and shop and be inspired and choose from almost 400,000 diamonds on our website. That's far more than anybody else has. I think we've been able to bring that web experience to life in our showrooms. And is that experience, the showroom experience, I mean, are people coming out of the pandemic going back to the showrooms? Were they closed for some period, I assume, in 2020? Yeah, they were. And they are, Victoria. That's right. So the pandemic was was horrible in so many ways. But one of the results of the lockdowns in particular, when so many retail, physical store locations and restaurants and businesses were closed, the consumers shifted an awful lot of their buying and shopping behavior online. And as the leading online jeweler, we were the beneficiary of a lot of that shift in consumer behavior. And so over the last year, we've seen pretty terrific growth in our number of shoppers and our purchases and our revenue. Recently, though, as the lockdowns have kind of ended and consumers have ventured out again and malls have opened back up again, our stores have opened as well as other traditional brick and mortar jewelers have opened as well. And so you're really seeing there's been a permanent kind of step change shift in consumer behavior to online versus what we saw a couple of years ago, but not everyone. People really like walking around and shopping. People love it. And that's another reason why we like our showrooms is that you know you get consumers and shoppers that are just walking through and many and some of them haven't even heard of Blue Nile. That's another one of our big opportunities is that you know in the jewelry industry we're well known. Blue Nile is a well-known player in the industry, but to the general public, you know, we're not. And so we've got these big billboards in highly trafficked malls as well that also help us, especially as people go back and start shopping again in person. And you also mentioned that you were, during the pandemic, you increased your video conferencing. You said it's going to be kind of a home shopping type setup. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Our, our virtual appointments. Yep, that's right, Rob. So we've built out and we're building more of them. They've been incredibly successful. A virtual appointment studio. It's like nothing else in the industry. Most 
companies that are doing virtual appointments, both in jewelry and in other industries, are basically doing a phone call and maybe a video call, like a Zoom call. We've got an actual studio. It's I kind of compare it sometimes to a QVC or home shopping network studio where you've got a location purpose-built for these video appointments. You make an appointment. It's one-on-one with one of our personal jewelers. You are logging into this system with multiple cameras on our side. So you can see our personal jeweler. They've got a wide assortment of engagement rings, styles, diamonds, and jewelry. Again, with multiple cameras, so you've got multiple angles on the jewelry. And so you can have this really immersive, really interactive, a super high quality interaction that feels like you're in a brick and mortar store talking with a jeweler at the counter or at a desk with them. It's really been amazing. We've found that not only do people really like having these virtual appointments alone, but about half of our appointments are co-shopping. You've got the fiance and, and well, the other fiance, and then you've got a man and the, and the mother-in-law. You've got all kinds of great connections with people who maybe aren't in the same city that can act like and feel like they're shopping together in a physical store with one of our expert personal jewelers. It's really terrific. So yeah, we're building more of those. They're, they're going really well. So I know that Bunaro's traditionally done a decent percentage of its business over the phone. Has that shifted to the video conferencing at this point? Yeah, Rob, it has. So about between 40 and 50% of our engagement ring business has some kind of phone or chat interaction connected to it. So when someone buys an engagement ring at Blue Nile, they come to our site sometimes a couple of dozen times. And generally, like I said, close to half of the time, they'll also, as part of that shopping experience, talk with someone over the phone or on a chat. And we think of the phone and the chat as basically the same thing. It's the same people on our side. As we've launched the virtual appointments, we're seeing a decent chunk of that, not quite 10% yet, but growing, a decent chunk of that interaction shifting from a phone call to the virtual appointment. I actually had a question sort of about the role that social media plays, or if you've done any of these, you know, Instagram live sessions where you employ the same video conferencing setup, but have people from all over joining without prearranging the appointments. Is that anything you're doing or thinking about doing as we see social shopping online becoming more and more of a thing that retailers turn to? Right. Victoria, Instagram and social is huge in jewelry. Absolutely gigantic. It's a really important and fun marketing channel. It's a great way for consumers to interact with us about our products. We do a fair amount of customer service over social. You know, people will, frankly, rather than sometimes calling us and saying something happened with my order, or I'd like to upgrade my ring, or I'd like to have my ring cleaned, they'll do that over social now. It's really incredible how that channel has grown. It's also it's a, such a celebratory kind of channel. Because so many people use it as a way to communicate with their friends and show off these brilliant moments they're having, you know, whether it be a proposal or a wedding or an anniversary, especially with a product like jewelry, which just embodies beauty and love and joy. It feels like Instagram was made for jewelry. And so we've tried to totally embrace social. In the US, that's mostly Instagram. We have a big business in China and there are a number of these social platforms in China that are even bigger and even more important in terms of people's daily lives than Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook are here in the US. We aren't yet doing the virtual appointments through Instagram, though we're looking pretty hard at that. Similar, you know, Apple has a product and so does Google. So we're, we're looking at all those channels. Today, it's mostly a direct connection with our technology and the consumer calling in with their phone. 
I'd love to hear about, you talked a little bit earlier about expanding into different categories. You mentioned color. Blue Nile teamed with De Beers and 10 independent designers earlier this year for a fabulous collection called 1010. Design collaboration, limited edition engagement rings featuring center stones, I believe all sourced from De Beers Mines in Botswana. Really beautiful, great designers. I mean, tell us how that went. Did they all sell? Was it quick? Did it go as expected? What were your takeaways from that collaboration? And might we see more? I sure hope so. Yeah, Victoria, that 1010 partnership and program was a huge success. And it was so much fun. We had these incredible 10 engagement rings, each from 10 independent female designers. It was a partnership with De Beers, as you mentioned. It was just the De Beers folks were amazing. The partnership was super fun. These 10 designers are just incredible women. And again, it was just so much fun to be a part of this partnership. One of the learnings from it is all the rings were they weren't sizable. And so we had very specific sizes. Anytime you right, you've got one-offs in a specific size, you do limit the addressable market as the marketers say. But we sold a bunch of them. You know, again, there were 100 rings total. We weren't measuring the program on sales. It was really about creating a fun program to highlight these 10 incredible designers and the beauty of natural diamonds in center stone engagement rings. And it was a huge success. So we're looking forward to more partnerships like that. Vic nearly bought one, right? I did. I actually looked them up and I was like, I might, I might buy myself one. They were beautifully priced and, and beautifully distinctive and seemed like a, a great experiment for you. So speaking of De Beers and Natural Diamonds brings up Lightbox, which you're carrying right now, and your general feeling about the lab-grown category. So we've had this partnership going with De Beers and the Lightbox product line for about a year now. It's a really fun product line with lab-grown diamonds in brilliant colors and a really accessible price point for this kind of size and quality of diamond jewelry. So it's been a fun program. I would say it's been a great way for us to kind of test the waters with lab-grown diamonds. You know, Blue Nile for 20 plus years has focused exclusively on natural diamonds. We continue to only sell and market natural diamonds in our center stone engagement. We have this line of lab-grown diamonds with Lightbox, and it's been a good program for us for a set of consumers that are looking for lab-grown jewelry. And what we've learned as part of this process, our customers, they really are looking for natural diamonds. And so there's a segment, it's pretty small, we think, looking for lab-grown jewelry. And, and that's been a good product for us, but I wouldn't say it's blowing the doors off. And as I'm sure you're aware, Brilliant Earth, which is one of your competitors, uh, is going public. Do you see that happening with Blue Nile? It's certainly been discussed in the past and it's happened in the past. That's right, Rob. So Blue Nile was a public company up until about four or five years ago. Bain Capital, who are our largest shareholder today, took the company private. I think that we don't have any plans right now or in the near future. We're happy being private. We're investing in the business to build out our showroom network, to expand our international footprint, to continue to delight our customers. I would expect us to be public again at some point. That's just kind of the size of our business. We were public in the past. It's a natural evolution for us. But as I said, we've got no plans in the near future to do that. You know, as we look to the holiday, we've heard so much about supply chain disruptions. And, you know, I was listening to NPR this morning. Of course, it was pretty much every industry seems to be battling bottlenecks in some form or another. Is that an issue? Are you seeing any bottlenecks in terms of supplies or, or shipping packages or any of the parts of your supply chain? A couple of things. So first of all, I think that in the U.S., you're already starting to hear people talk about capacity constraints with FedEx and UPS and the other shippers. And I 
think you know that may have been what you were what you were alluding to with NPR this morning. I would say it's always better to give yourself a few extra days before Christmas than waiting till the last minute. You know, not only are we going to have constraints on the shipping capacity and freight and delivery capacity in the U.S., but also you know you get random weather events that can really impact delivery of packages. But this holiday season is going to be enormous for the jewelry industry and for Blue Nile. We are expecting by far our largest holiday season as a company. Right. You know, down at the JCK show, I, I heard lots of enthusiastic, lots of optimistic people, which was great to hear. I asked my friends and colleagues, is that normal? Is everyone always this? Because it was just, it was a love fest down there. It was terrific. It was not normal, I can tell you. And that's what I said. I said to so, some of my friends and colleagues, I said, you were telling me that this is kind of a, you know, skeptical and oftentimes kind of downer crowd. I said, and I said, I, where are those people? Because these people are all happy and excited and very enthusiastic. I said, no, this isn't normal. But I asked almost everybody, well, how are you feeling about the rest of the year and, and why? And really, they all said that they're very optimistic about the rest of the year and that they felt like the first time that so many people are so enthusiastic. But we feel the trends we're seeing and the reaction we're getting from our consumers, both online and in our showroom, suggests that this should be a very good holiday season. You mentioned that you thought that Blue Nile had low brand awareness or perhaps not universal brand awareness. Are you planning any kind of marketing or different kinds of ways to get the name out there? So we are. One of the big initiatives for us and one of our big investments, Rob, this year and over the next several years is a pretty significant expansion of our marketing, our advertising. We do obviously a lot of digital marketing on Google and Facebook and Instagram and other digital marketing players and platforms. But we also aspire to be a household name. We, we want to be, we think we can be, the most trusted fine jeweler on the planet. Maybe not the biggest, but we'd like to be the, the most trusted. And part of that is being well-regarded and known by folks who are looking for jewelry. Our customer base is a, a more upscale, person than the average jeweler. Our average engagement ring, average selling price is about $10,000. Well, the, the average across the U.S. is closer to three or $4,000. So we've targeted a more upscale consumer. So we're not going to be advertising to everybody in the country, but for folks who are looking for a, an engagement ring with our quality and at our price points, we want to be a well-regarded and have a brand that's well-known and respected and admired across the country and ultimately across the globe. So we are doing a bunch of brand advertising. We do some television now. We will do more next year and more the year after that, as well as other interesting and fun out-of-home marketing efforts to get our brand out and to introduce people to, to Blue Nile. We're almost at our time. I wonder, just to close, if you have any thoughts on opportunities that the jewelry business might be missing? I mean, given these high expectations for the holiday as we head into 22, any other thoughts on sort of as a newcomer to this business, what opportunities the industry is missing? We think at Blue Nile that the biggest opportunity for the jewelry industry is to embrace e-commerce. Traditionally, jewelry has been kind of slower to migrate online. I think shoppers are wanting to be online. So I think everybody can do a better job with online e-commerce and chat and video conferences and virtual appointments. I think that's something that everybody, Blue Now included, can do a better job of. And I think consumers are really looking for that. I certainly think that you know, as I said at the beginning, one of the things that struck me about the industry was that it's harder and a little more inconvenient and a little confusing and a little scary to buy jewelry if you're not an expert on jewelry. And I think anything we in the industry can do to make the process of buying jewelry a little less difficult, a little more convenient, a little less confusing is only good for the industry because consumers 
love you know receiving jewelry as gifts and their friends and partners love giving jewelry as gifts and i think that to the extent that we can make that easier and more fun for people that's that's a really good thing for the whole industry well excellent thank you so much sean for time today for your insights for having a chat with us we really really appreciate it you're welcome thanks it's really fun it's great to talk with you today all right well we'll stay tuned for more news from blue nile and we'll certainly uh do our shopping as early as possible and we're all looking forward to that uh, record shopping season Right, I think so. We are too. Thanks for listening to The Jewelry District. I'm Natalie Comet, the producer of the podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen. We hope you'll join us next time on The Jewelry District by JCK.